Praise the Lord. So good to be here and to um, be able to be a recipient of what we firmly believe are direct rhema words from our Heavenly Father. And what God has uh, put on my heart today is uh, somewhat of a, it's, it's, it's really a, a word that I felt was coming from, the very de- from a very deep place in his heart. And the title I just I borrowed from the scripture there, uh, we'll talk about it here in just a couple of minutes, but I thought it would get your attention. The title is The Calves of Our Lips. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see what that, what that bears in mind uh, from Hosea 14 in just a couple of minutes. But we want to begin by looking at the top scripture, uh, praise waits for thee, O God, in Zion. Psalm 65 Verses 1 through 5. Let's, let's read that together. Praise waits for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Iniquities prevail against me, as for our transgressions thou shalt purge them away. Blessed is the man whom you choose and cause to approach unto you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, even of your holy temple. By terrible things in righteousness will you answer us, O God of our salvation, who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea. I love also what verses 9 through 11 says, and this is the scripture. So this is not some fanciful poetic prose. Thou visitest the earth and waters it. You greatly enrich it with the river of God, which is full of water. You prepare them corn when you have provided for it. You water the ridges thereof abundantly. You settle the furrows thereof. You make it soft with showers. You bless the springing thereof, and you crown the year with thy tobe, and thy paths drop fatness. I think that we're entering into a year, a prophetic year, where all of this is going to manifest itself. I, I believe that the river of God is going to manifest itself upon the things that we have invested into in obedience to Him. And the fruitfulness of the river of God is going to have its concerted effect. And so I just felt that that is something that uh, we need to be looking for and laying claim to. But let's come back now to performing our vow and how God will restore and how God will replenish and how God will bring about um, a refreshing to the things that we have committed to Him. Um, perform is what we're going to be looking at. It's the Hebrew word shalem, which might sound familiar to you because it is a derivative off of shalom. This derivative means something very peculiar, though. It it means that whatever you've committed to God, whatever you have sown into as unto Him, 
however you have invested yourself on behalf of the walk of peace, the shalom of taking an assignment, going forth to accomplish it in obedience, and then coming back in victory. We all know that sometimes, sometimes when we're walking in peace, it's Man, we did that in obedience, and look at the harvest that came. Don't we know that? That's a wonderful thing. But sometimes God's investment in peace, it might appear to us that he's taken a little bit of time to bring fulfillment. And that's throughout the word because God is not on our timetable. And some of the greatest things that you invest before the Lord are long-standing things that God's been waiting on for millennia. And He's asked you in these end times to invest, and it may seem like He's forgotten about that. It may seem like He has neglected your sacrifice. But it only seems that way, because God is faithful to repay. And this is the concept of this word shalom, shalem. It is if you've invested in some form of obedience, in some form of embracing a task of peace, and you know whether you've done that or not. If it seems like the fulfillment hasn't come yet, don't let the enemy play games with you. Don't let your own mind play games with you. Because throughout the Scripture, this factor is over and over again portrayed that it may just seem like God has forgotten, but there will be a reckoning. There will be a repayment. There will be a restoration in the pathway of peace. And that's what this word means. And so when we understand that, we're going to look at this in, in a number of, from, from man's perspective and then from God who is going to be restoring. We're going to look at this today. But with that in mind, let's consider what Psalm 65 says. Praise waits for you, Elohim, in Zion. And unto you the vow will be shalem. And O oh, you, you who hear the prayer unto thee will all flesh come. Praise, Tehillah, which comes off of Halal, is, is waiting. And this word waiting is not the intertwining of bonding together with God. It's, it's not even necessarily an issue of, um, uh, you know, you're patiently watching for God to unfold the thing. This word means to be silent. It means to be dumb. It means to be mute in some ways. And um, especially in connection with the performing, which we've just talked about, and a vow, which we're going to talk about, um, in Zion, that depiction of all you've offered in Halal seems like it's doing nothing. It seems like it's just silent there. And it's with Elohim there in the, in the dry place of, of Zion. And I, I just think that's very interesting because God will 
God will bring about the completion of that pathway, all that you've offered. God will bring it about, and the vow that you've made will be performed. Let's talk about the vow, vow for a minute. And I know this is a deeper thing for a Sunday, but yet you as pneumaticos people should be able to buck it up. And at least you're not falling asleep because it's too cold to fall asleep, which is pretty good. And when I say stay frosty, you got a prophetic act for that today. Um, if somebody took a vow, uh, whether it's a Nazarite vow or I, I, it's not just a promise, it is a covenant partnership with God, a vow. In the New Testament, you know, the Apostle Paul was said to, uh, in, in the book of Acts, to have taken a vow. He shaved his head, and that is, uh, th that translation of that vow is uke, which we know from prosuke, when we're coming before the Lord in supplication and God is bringing insight, and we know it's an insight. Well, this is a step beyond that. Paul, as he prayed, God told him, you shave your head. You be kind of like a, it's a new beginning, kind of like a Nazarite vow, and you shave your head, it'll be a vow. There were people who took a vow using that same word to not eat until they'd killed Paul. And, um, but this wasn't just, you know, I think I'll say I'll do this. This was, this was a God is speaking to me, I'm making this definitive commitment, and I'm going to do it. It's amazing how often the vow and this shalem are connected in the Scripture. I'm speaking to you as saints. You've made a vow before the Lord to continue in intercession, to continue as sons, to continue as pneumaticos people, to continue for the work of the Lord that He is orchestrating to be done throughout the world. And that's been a vow to you, as it should be, because it's what God has covenanted with you to do. And you said, yes, Lord, I'll do this. And as I've studied this today, we've lived it. I cringe for those who made that vow as well and have drifted off as if it was a convenience. Oh, you know, I did that vow for a few years, and now... You know, I'm retiring from the vow. There ain't no retiring from the vow that you make before the Lord. You do what you're going to do. And so here this first verse says, I have made a vow before God, and I know that he's watching it. And right now, all the things that I have offered to you in, in, in halal, uh, it seems like they're all silent. And it seems like... Um, you, Elohim, are, are here and you are, but it doesn't seem like much is going on, but I'm trusting the fact that what I've committed in a vow to you, you're going to accomplish. And I'm sure going to do what I have to do to remain faithful in this. And then look what he says next. You are hearing the tapila. This These are both noun feminine, which means uh, both the tehillah and tapila are, are feminine nouns, which um, linguistically means that you are, you are embodying that position and you are on the receiving end. And it has nothing to do with chauvinism or misogyny. It's just that in language, 
um, there is a feminine and, and a masculine, and especially in the Latin languages, it's there, the, the le and the la, you know? And, and so this is saying that we're doing what we're doing, but we're not the progenitor. We're responding. And it seems, you know, we've offered our palau. We've offered that kind of prayer. We've made that judgment and that declaration. And um, you're hearing that. And it says, you know, in the midst of this, I battle iniquity. In the midst of this, there are weak places in me that, like Paul said, you know, I, I have to die daily. There's a war that goes on sometimes, doesn't it? And you know, we want to do what God wants, and then out of the blue, something that is not dead, not dead yet, rises up, and we have to make that be quiet. And David says, iniquities prevail at times, but you know our heart. We've committed to this vow. We're not going to give up. We may stumble, but we're not going to fall and just lay down and die. We're going to keep moving. And so if we make a transgression, you're going to purge that away. For God, verse 4, has chosen us. And we've been privileged to be able to approach unto him and to dwell in his courts. And we're going to be satisfied with your tobe there satisfied with your purpose. Are we really that? <laughs> you know, I don't know what you do, but there are times where I'm praying and my emotion comes up and I think, Lord, you got to straighten this thing out, you know? I'm not really happy. I'm not content that this or that has not been straightened out. And then I have to come back to the point where I'm in the presence of God. This is His purpose. I need to be satisfied with that, abundantly satisfied, and not get taken off course by some crazy ricochet out of iniquity that wants to drive me off. We're going to be satisfied. By terrible things in righteousness, you're going to answer us. And our confidence is in you, throughout the ends of the earth. So this is a very interesting thing because I think this verse speaks a lot about what we've been encountering in the timetable of the Lord this past year. You know, we were all geared up. You know, we had been trained by God about the palal and the halal. And we you just think about the progression of what God was bringing, you know. We're offering supplication and we're gaining prosukes and we're, we're offering up what Solomon uh, was trained by God to do in the temple to bring the Palau forward. And God took a lot of time training us and teaching that. And then all of a sudden, everything, travel stops. For a while, we weren't able to meet together. And, but yet the burning of the Spirit just kept going in our hearts, and He still does. It's good to talk about the burning of the Spirit in a cold sanctuary, isn't it? Um, but, you know... God says this. I think that this verse is good in any scenario. Of course, it's the Word of God. But I think this really talks about what we've experienced in a bigger dimension of the timetable of God and what is coming. The river of God is about to burst forth upon the earth in the places where we've sown. 
The river of God is about to water the seeds that have been planted around the world. And it's going to show itself strong in mighty ways. But even right now, I think sometimes when we pray, we come before the heart of God, Elohim, and we know, Lord, we've committed this vow because it's what you ask us to do. We don't understand everything, but it seems like it seems like our prophetic acts and what we continue to offer are silent. But yet you're there, and you are going to move in power, and you're going to perform the, the ramifications of the vow that we've offered before you. I think that's a wonderful thing. But let's explore a few of the a few of the um, places where this shalem is used. And one of them is um, from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 5, verses 4 through 8. When you vow a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, shalem. For he has no pleasure in fools. Now, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And God is not going to take, if, if he's saying that somebody who makes a vow before, I mean a vow, and you, and you aren't willing to stick it out and fulfill the shalem, God takes no pleasure in fools. That's God talking. That's God talking. Pay what you vowed, shalem, what you vowed. Better is it that you should not vow than that thou you should vow and not pay. It's pretty much clear, isn't it? It's an amazing thing. Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. <laughs> now, think about that. Think about that. Which with this, this context says that if you are in a vowed position before God, that you are also then in league with the angelic. And if, if you are participating in this vow and you determine that you don't want to vow anymore, God says, I ain't buying that. And the angels, they aren't buying it either. And don't say to the angels, you know what? That was an error. You know, I'm asking for a do-over. No, a vow is a vow. Wherefore should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? Goodness gracious. For in the, Now look at this. This describes something that has been an enemy tactic. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also divers vanities. But fear thou God. If you see the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province... Marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. What does that mean? Well, have you been paying attention over the past couple of years in our country and even in some aspects of our network where we made a vow before God, we're partnering with him, and two factors come up to try to ensnare people. Number one, vanities in the spirit realm, some other dream, some other vision, or a measure of 
being a champion for justice. And we look in the province and we see all of these things happening and we get fired up about it to the degree that either through some other spiritual revelation or some um, social justice warrioring, we forget our vow. This is what God says. He says, he says, I just read it. He says, look, you keep following me. You do what I say to do, but you don't forsake that vow. If you do, the angels are going to be crossways with you. And secondly, the work of your hands is going to be destroyed. God takes no pleasure in fools. If you're going to do a vow before God, you better swear to it and do it. It's better for you not to have vowed than to have vowed and not paid. Isn't that exactly what's being said here? And then it says, on the heels of that, there are going to be vain things that come up. And so often, here is that iniquity thing again. You know, the enemy is not going to throw a bill of good. You know, if he's a salesman, like my dad used to say, they seen you coming. Um, he only said that to me once, but that's an old-timey phrase. He's going to appeal to some area in your life that you want to itch. You want to scratch that itch, an iniquity. And we've seen a lot of emotional foibles take people out over the years. And you couple that with a spiritual approach here. And then you also add in the oppression of the poor and the perverting of judgment and justice. Have we seen that theme been ballyhooed in our nation? Oh, yeah. Has it taken a lot of people off course? Yeah. And what does God say? You stick with your vow. There's one that is higher than anybody who sees, and he will bring it about. And so, um, look back there. Thank you for coming to restore the heat for us, my friend. <laughs> we bless you. Uh, I may have to preach longer just so it gets nice and toasty up there where Rose and Stacy Mags and Bev are. Do you see this verse? I mean, to me, when I, when I saw this, I thought, how powerful is the Word of God? How applicable is it for us? How wonderful is it for us? But, you know, what is our vow? Do you recognize that there have been temptations that have come against all of us, I'm sure, in some way or another, to forsake the vow that we made before God? It seems like things are silent. Elohim spoke to us about it. Nothing's happening. Praise waits. It's silent. But God will perform what you have committed before Him to partner in. And here it says... Look, if you don't be messing around with a vow. Don't be messing around with it. It reminds me of what um, I, today is Parat's Sunday, which is breakthrough. And, you know, I was discussing this earlier that, you know, the first time David um, wanted to bring the ark into Jerusalem, and he had... Um, he had a really curious thing. I mean, he, first of all, he had um, Abinadab 
and his sons Ahio and Uzziah, which if you take the meaning of their words, it's the creative power of God and brotherhood and a blessing, benevolent attitude. All of those guys were kindred of Saul. They were Benjamites. So the guy that tried to kill David over and over again, I mean, they, they had had the ark in their house. And they were basically the ones that were going to bring it forth. Had 30,000 people, 30,000 people. We like to focus on David and his linen dance. But there were 30,000 people, and most of them were playing instruments. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? How loud that must have been? It, it's funny. It, it's, it's, it must have been an amazing thing. And um, I... Uh, I just think it's interesting that they, they put together that cart, which David basically had forgotten or neglected um, or maybe thought, I'm going to choose this other path. Certainly priests carrying it on their staves is one thing, but if I could get 30,000 musicians and if we can be uh, coming out from Saul's lineage, bringing the ark in, certainly that would be pleasing to God. It's a better idea anyway. It's probably what David thought, and he was creative in that way. But the point was that the lineage of Saul were the ones that had had the, the ark and that they were going to bring it in. We could say that our former movement and our former denominational viewpoint and even the Methodists and even those where we have links to past affiliations, that God wants to use them in partnering with the coming of what he's going to do. It's interesting, too, that when the, cat, the, the ox that were toting that new cart got to a threshing floor, probably they saw some grain there and div tried to divert, and it unsteadied the ark, and Uzzah put forth his, Uzziah put forth his hand, and God broke upon him, parotzed on him. That's an interesting thing. God's ways, dare I say, his commands and his vows are kind of like a Peretz. You got to be faithful in them. You got to be willing to take that stand because if you press God too far, he's going to take no pleasure in fools. He says he'll destroy the works of your hands and he will parotz onto you on behalf of that covenant. That sounds awful, doesn't it? But there it is. Where did the ark end up? Obed-Edom, who was a Gittite. When you know what that means, he was from Gath. David's first victory against Goliath of Gath. You think about that. The combination of all the elements that were there on this Parat Sunday. Saul's lineage. David's enemies that had been vanquished. And God wanted to bring them in too. But yet, let's forget about the way God said he wants it done. Let's do it our own way. We can reach out to these other lineages, whether it's the Methodists or whoever it might be. And we can bring back in the enemies, but we're going to do it our way. God will not tolerate that. He does not tolerate fools. And we've, got, we've had issues like that. I'd, I'd rather do it God's way regardless of how great your instruments are and how many hundreds, how many tens of thousands you have. 
God wants it done His way. And so on this Parat Sunday, I would like for us to really look for the breakthrough that God will bring us forth through this season of, of uh, what it seems like is praise being silent and how He's going to fulfill the vow, how He's going to bring shalem, and how we're going to know that blessing and that fulfillment and the river of God pouring through and the enemies and the, the former lineages coming alongside, hey, they're all factors there. Let's do it God's way. Let's do it God's way. Amen? Because he's not going to tolerate fools. This is a scripture. I know that's uncomfortable language, but that's what God says. Um, we took a vow. This was before the throne of God. And it's not like, oh, yeah, I'll just serve for a while. <laughs> I know you, and I know you didn't come into it that way. Neither did I. I mean, we gave our lives before God. And you know what? He loves you for that. And I'm not saying this to any of you because you're on the verge of teetering out. But I'm saying is that God takes what you've committed to him very seriously, just as you have. And it may seem like things are silent. It may seem like things that God has uh, delayed. But it only seems that way. Don't delude yourself. God takes this seriously. Well, 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 51, talks about when Solomon was able to complete the work of the temple. And really, you might say that what David, what we've just talked about, was a road toward that. And look what it says. So was ended, Shalem, all the work that King Solomon made for the house of Yahweh. Solomon brought in the things which David his father had dedicated, even the silver, the gold, the vessels, and he put among the treasures of the house, did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. Seemed like a long time before that temple could be in place, didn't it? David longed for it. Solomon worked on it. But finally, the fulfillment came, and it was called the Shalem. Hosea 14, verses 1 through 2. O Israel, return unto the Lord your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the plan of God. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously, so we will shalem the calves of our lips. That's an interesting phrase. You wondered if I'd ever get to that, didn't you? What's it mean? We're going... We want you to look past the way that we've fallen away. We're committing ourselves afresh to what we have made as our vow. And um, whatever we have said to you, let, let the, the fruit of that begin to come forth in the shalem. Whatever we have proclaimed with our mouth regarding the vow, let the harvest now begin to come. Let the calves of the, of the flock begin to be birthed on behalf of the words. That's, that's a cool thing. But notice it says take away our iniquities. Take away those things that have tried to divert us. Take them away. Is it feeling warmer yet? No? Yeah? Everybody move over to this section. <laughs> Maybe it's just because Ava and Andrea are over there. They, they will warm you up. I don't know. I, 
I have no reason to say that. I just know that they're very warm folks. Uh, I was reminded also of Psalm 15, that those few verses where um, David doesn't talk about coming to the hill of the Lord. He talks about dwelling there. I just want to read those just for a second. We're almost done. We only have three verses on the other side of the page, and it's just six after 12. We want to stay here and at least feel a little warmer. No. <laughs> Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle and who will dwell in your holy hill? He that walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He that backbites not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor takes up a reproach against his neighbor. There's been a lot of that going on. In whose eyes a vile person is condemned. But he that honoreth them that fears the Lord, he that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Swears to his own hurt and changes not. That verse has really permeated my heart over these past decades. Because I know that all of you have made a commitment of God and it has been well worth it. He has blessed us. But in so many ways, what we swore to do before the Lord, it's cost you. Certainly nothing to compare with the reward of working for Him. But sometimes it hurt. And when you swear to your own hurt and change not, that means that you are <clears throat> fulfilling one of the qualifications to be able to abide in the presence of God and dwell in His holy hill. I, I love that. I love that. So the vow that we make before God is an important and a vital thing. It is a UK in the New Testament. And I think we stand on very good ground to say that whatever vow was in the Old Testament by its usage in the New, UK aligns, which means that God doesn't just speak to you in supplication. There was an integral part of that revelation that you said, yes, Lord, before you, in supplication, I commit to this, and God and the angels took note of that. And so you, you, uh, you've made that commitment. I've made that commitment, and I'm thankful. I do it a million times over and more. But my point today is, is yes, I'm hammering that vow home. I'm hammering ramifications of the vow and ways the enemy wants to divert from the vow an angelic view and God's view. But really the thing that God put on my heart was the fulfillment, the restoration of the vow, which when we commit to God, we need to be confident that whatever it is that we knew God wanted to do is going to be fulfilled. Now if you turn the page or just flip it over, you'll see some of the three verses where it speaks about God repaying. Same word, shalem. The first one, hey, look, we talked out of Ecclesiastes, Hosea, and now Ruth. Man, you're getting a lot of books that aren't often referenced. They're the word of the Lord. But here in Ruth chapter 2, this is the words of Boaz to Ruth in regard to Naomi. Or as the French would say, Noemi. Verse 12. The Lord shalem thy work, 
and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's a great word, isn't it? The Lord reward you, Tammy. Shalem you. You've made this commitment, and Ruth made that commitment. You know, she could have gone off like her mother-in-law advised and found herself another man, and, you know, she didn't have to be out gathering straws in the field with her mother-in-law, did she? No, she didn't have to. That was the harder path. But she made a commitment, and she stuck to it. And not only is God rewarding, but this guy who's speaking it, Boaz, was going to be the covenant redeemer. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. The Lord reward you. God has, he is not uncaring and unknowing concerning the work that you've committed to him. He that has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it. And God's watching. Let's look at Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. If your enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall shalem you. Add this to what Jesus said. He, where he quoted this verse. We often just take that New Testament verse and we think, okay, Lord, you know what? This person is, did me in bad. And it's not that you're unforgiving. It's not a issue of unforgiving to know somebody's done you wrong, you know? But I'm going to bless them. And Jesus said, if you do that, it's like coals of fire being put on them. See, that we should do good to one another. We, we, we view it that way. But what he quoted was in regard to Shalem, which would connect my thinking to the fact that there are times when we're trying to fulfill the vow of the Lord and people who should know better do things that are really painful for us. And how you respond to that is being kind to them. Not so that you can, don't envision dumping coals of fire on their head. <laughs> Rose, I know you've never done that. But it's kind of it's kind of a funny thing, you know. But you you need to connect it with the verse that Jesus was quoting and recognize that so often people that do wacky things are reacting in their own iniquities and it may have hurt you, but you are committed to the vow of the Lord. And yeah, yeah. And how is it going to heap coals of fire on them? Well, for number one, the fact that you're not striking back, you're just being kind, that is going to stun them. But the bigger thing is that when God brings the fulfillment and suddenly it's been shown that what you've committed yourself to do was what God was in all along, you don't want to talk about heaps of coals? There it is. That's not our motive, but Jesus quoted this verse, and we need to recognize that we just need to stay true to the Lord and not let our iniquities or the actions of others or other things take us off the vow. Last verse, and this is a good one. All of these are good ones. Joel 2, verses 24 and 25. The floor shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with 
wine, and oil. And I will restore Shalem to you, the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. My great army which I sent among you. That's always been a weird, weird thing to contemplate as you meditate on this scripture. Some people don't really understand it, but yet you have to figure out that for God to want, for God in his infinite wisdom, he's wanting to fulfill a point of his purpose, and he's partnered with you in it. And only God knows all the factors, all the ingredients in that fulfillment that have to be in place for him to bring about a complete measure of accomplishment. And the main thing for him is the journey with you. And only God knows for what is coming and what he wants to entrust to you in a way of authority, what you have to encounter and overcome in order for him to be entrust, to be able to entrust that blessing and that victory to you. So when it says, my great army of these critters and all the other things that came against the promise that Joel was speaking about being fulfilled, <clears throat> listen, there's a lot of stuff that we have to deal with that we, can, we don't understand, but we know this. Romans 8.28 says it better than I could ever say. All things work together for good to them who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, even the stinky things, even the things that you just don't understand, even the ways that you think, God, these things that I've offered to you, it seems like it's just silent. And it is silent. You could hear a pin drop. But yet God is not ignorant of what you've committed unto him. I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That is the shalem of the shalom. That is the shalem. That is the fulfillment. It may seem, the derivation of this word, it might seem delayed. It might seem as if God has forgotten. It might seem as if, man, you sure looked stupid and foolish, but it only seems that way in your mind. Because for God, he never forgets. For the angels, it's just like that amount of time. God is with you. And the vow that you've committed to him, he's going to fulfill. You know, Solomon, when he stood there on that porch and, and he had seen the completion of the construction of that temple, and he was bringing in the things that his father David had prepared. The Bible says that he ended all that work. Shalem. You're going to know that. You're going to feel that. You're going to look and you're going to say, God, the river of God is flowing. Look at this blessing. You are doing, um, as Psalm 65, 5, by terrible things in righteous vision, you are answering us. You are our salvation. You are our confidence to the ends of the earth. And of all them that are afar off upon the sea, hasn't God been bringing us in connection with that? Of course he has. And there are more coming. 
there are more coming. See, God's preparing it right now for us. Hear that? So I feel like, as I said, and I'm closing, that when, you know, I spent a lot of time looking at the Parats yesterday and the Uzziah thing, and um, uh, I, I was believing for this Parat Sunday that as we prayed, we're really investing in thankfulness into the breakthrough that's coming. And then, my goodness, when this came, I felt it so deeply, and I felt it that it was, was something that God was just stirred. The heart of God was stirred to release it to us. And I don't even think it's a word of encouragement. Yes, it is a word of encouragement, but it's not intended to encourage you. It's intended to inform you concerning His ways and to recognize that this is how God moves. And He loves the waiting. He loves the standing. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. He loves that you're there in that gap. And you're doing, as Mark taught this morning, the terio, in that terio, you are teaching all that God's command. He loves that. But the vow that is made before God on behalf of those most imperative things that he's looking for specific partners whom he's chosen, we commit to that. God takes that seriously. And, you know, Jesus said things that he didn't use the word vow, but he said, he that puts his hand to the plow and turns back, God has no pleasure in them. I'm speaking to the choir, the vow choir here. You all are faithful, and so many thousands of people around the world are faithful in their terio. My point is that God is faithful, and he, is, he knows about the shalem, the delayed fulfillment perceived delayed fulfillment of the shalom. But it's coming. It's coming. Tammy, you sure there's not somebody trying to break the, through the roof and lower a lame guy down through here? If it happens, you get after him first. Debbie will help you. It'll warm you both up. <laughs> All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the, the delight that it just resonates with this word that you've given. And I pray that you will assure all of your people concerning that partnership that they've com committed unto you many, many years ago. The vow that we came into alignment with before you and in the presence of your enemies and in the presence of your angels we are committed to that. For, thank you for watching over us in love. At times, maybe we, we heard voices of iniquity very loudly. I can't speak for anybody in this room, but the Scripture says it so much that it, it has to be a factor in all of us. But I thank you in the midst of that to hold us close, and to um, wash away, purge away those things. You've chosen us. 
We can approach you and we can dwell in your courts and be satisfied in the tobe of your house, even in your temple, for you are going to perform the, the accomplishment of the pathway of peace. I release that. I release that understanding to this house, to the saints, and I pray that you would cause that understanding from your word to buoy us and to really cause us to gain strength and momentum as we move forward through these holiday weeks into the new year of promise, when it's going to be a year crowned by your tobe and that the river of God is going to move powerfully and by terrible things in righteousness, you are going to answer us. These are the things that are coming. It's a confidence to the ends of the earth. We hold on to you. We hold on to our vow. For we know we're going to do our best to perform it. And we know that you also are in conjunction with that pursuit. And you're going to bring about those measures of fulfillment. And I ask one more thing, Lord. I just pray and release an amazing blessing into every one of our saints' family, into every one of our saints' individuals, churches, prayer groups, ministries, households, Release a blessing in these next days and weeks that will be unparalleled. I ask you for financial blessing. I ask you for health and vitality. I ask you even for surprise miracles. Surprises that we would never even be able to contemplate or expect. I release that to your people. Let those in our family who've strayed away from God, may they be strangely warmed and brought back into a closer place in, in you. Lord, I release whatever kind of blessing you want to give, but let it be a gift from our Father of lights. And I, I release that to your people. Thank you, Lord, for these faithful saints. Thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you. We love you. And we ask these things and declare them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank God. Is it warming up at all? No? I'm telling you, you need to go over there and just toast out. I don't know what's going on over there. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you very, very soon.